So I'm going to engage a little bit of, uh, of your memory uh, for those who were either here last week or watching online last week. Does anyone remember the title of my sermon last week? Oh, just get the excuse in there. Working out. There you go, working out your salvation. And so um, this week, uh, the message is um, still working out our salvation. So I hadn't planned on doing this over two weeks, um, but I just felt challenged to dig a little bit deeper. And by the, the extent of your memory test there, I think I might need to dig a little bit deeper. Repetition is a friend of memory. Um, and so what we're going to do is I want to just, you know, I want to recap what we spoke about last week um, and then dig a little bit deeper into what God spoke to us about last week. Um, and so despite Megan's protestations that she wasn't here last week, you can all enter into this, right? So I don't know if you ever remember, uh, I don't know if this was a TV program or games that people used to play where you had like a zone here and a zone here and people would ask questions and people would run to where the answer was, and then there'd be two people over there, and they'd look and think, well, maybe they're right, or they'd look and go, maybe they're wrong. Well, what I want to do is, no one's going to move anywhere, right? But I want to ask you some questions about last week, and I want you to, there's going to be arrows that appear on the screen, and I want you to point in the direction of the arrow for what you think the right answer is. And even those who weren't here, you can guess, or you can follow the crowd, right? And we can try and get ourselves to remembering what was about, spoken about last week. And get that, you know, because get it in, into the brain, right? Okay, so run with me, right? So well, first thing to think about, where in the Bible was the sermon from? You've got a point, follow the, the screen there, right? So if, it's, if you think it's 1 Corinthians, you go that way. If you think it's that way, you find that way, right? When? You can't write and point, right? I need your hand. Wait, right, there you go, right? Okay, okay. You are correct. It was from Philippians 2. Right? Wen's got a little crib sheet here, I can tell, right? She's like... <laughs> the, title, the title is Still Working Out Your Salvation. Right, okay. Who was Paul writing to? Was it either his dear friends or strangers that he didn't know? It was his dear friends. Now, this is confusing for me because the screen's the opposite way around for me. But yes, you're all correct. It's his... It's his dear friends. Yeah, that's it, right. Is that? Yeah, okay, I'll get this right. Okay, right. Why was he writing to them? Ready? He was either writing to correct them or to encourage them. What do we reckon? He was writing to encourage them. This wasn't a, wasn't a letter to strangers. He wasn't letting them have a go at them. He was trying to build them up and encourage them. Okay. And in the message last week, I said something about salvation. And I asked you a question, or I made a statement, actually, but I said about salvation. Is salvation a destination or a direction? It's a direction. So what I was talking about last week, especially for those who missed it or those who fell asleep in that bit, was we often think about, I'm in the camp. I've arrived, I've got the label, I've got my destination, I'm a Christian. But in actual fact, the Christian walk is a walk, it's a direction. That doesn't mean that we're not a Christian until we get to the end. It means that when we turn our lives around and face towards Jesus, we call ourselves a Christian because we are on a walk to become more like him. So on one, you know, people don't go, why is destination direction? Here's a direction of travel. I want you to grasp this, that our Christian walk is a walk. 
It's not a stationary place, but we move on with Jesus. It's a direction. Okay, another question. Which word is most often used in the, in the Bible to describe us? Disciples or Christians? I have to do this so I can see on the screen which one I'm pointing. Right, yes, it is disciples. Anyone remember some of the numbers? How many times in the Bible is the word Christian used? Three. Ben's got three fingers up. How many times is the word disciple used? 269, from my memory. I haven't got it written down. 200 odd, right? Disciple is the common word that describes you and I. And disciples have a sense of movement. Okay, now this one, this is going to confuse you, right? Because you can have three arrows, right? You can have this way, this way, or you can point upwards, if you, right? Okay. See, here's the question. No, it's not Jesus, right? But I've got three possible answers for you, so I have to fit them in somewhere, right? So what does Paul tell us to do with our salvation? We've got to work on our salvation, we've got to work for our salvation, or we've got to work out our salvation, Work out our salvation. Good on you, Bev. You got it, right? That's why the title of the sermon, that's what he says. I call you to work out your salvation. He doesn't say you've got to work on it. You've got to work on it. He says you've got to work it out of you. And you haven't got to work for your salvation either. That's the law. We've learned that. Well, we didn't learn it last week. We've learned it over our life. That you can't earn your salvation. God works in us, but we work it out of us. Okay, another question for you to get this stuck into your mind. Who is meant to help you with your daily walk with Jesus? The pastor or the church? The church. I have a role to play, but it is nothing like compared to the role that we as a church play in encouraging one another, in a place where we can love one another. Well, it's true. But the primary way in this passage that we were learning isn't the focus on the pastor. That's not me getting off on, I'm not getting off scot-free going, I've got any work to do, right? But the work is on all of us. Okay, you're doing well, or you're guessing well, whichever one of the two, or you're following the crowd. But either way, it's going in the memory, right? What is God's role in all of this? To help us grow or to watch us grow? For it is God who works in you. He's working in you. It talks about his energy of working within us. Okay? Now, for those who are going to guess, be aware. We learned something a little bit counterintuitive last week. How do we grow? If we're on this direction, not destination, direction, we're growing closer to Jesus. How do we grow closer to Jesus? By trying to be more like Jesus or by pouring out our lives for Jesus? We learned that this talks about pouring out our lives, that, that what we learned was this principle, just think about, we learned a principle that's true in many things, that the, the, the destination we want to get to, to be more like Jesus, that we do different things to get there. So what we said was, you know, if you wanted to, um, the example I was using was, if you want to grow a plant, you don't grow a plant by making a plant grow, what you do is you water it, and you put it in good soil, and you give it good sunshine, and that produces growth. We learned that if you want to get fit, you do stuff. I'm going to come on to that in a minute. And that stuff gets us fitter. And so we don't actually try to be more like Jesus. What he says, if you pour yourself out for me, I will start to form my character within you. His energy working within us. 
that he says he's working in us happens when we start to pour ourselves out. And so often as Christians, we labor to, I've got to be more like Jesus, I've got to be more like Jesus. He says, don't you worry, I will make you more like me. Pour yourself out for others, and I'll form within you my character. Okay, last question. What three ways does he tell us to pour out our lives? And you don't point here. You're going to try and fill in the gaps. You might be able to, you might not be able to, otherwise I'm going to go over this anyway. But there were three ways about loving, obeying, and living. Has anyone got any memory of one of these ones? Chloe. Loving each other. Yep. Okay, so we've got one of them. Anyone got the others, the obeying or the living? It wasn't. No. It's one word. Living sacrificially. And then obeying has got two words. Obeying. It's not bad, but God's word. So he talks about these things, and we spoke about last week, and I'm going to go over them again. That's why we do repetition, right? Because he says there's three ways to pour yourself out by loving each other, by obeying God's word, and by living sacrificially. So let's have a read of the, the verse that this is based upon from Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 to 13. And then I'm going to dig a bit deeper into what we spoke about last week and really start to apply this and, and also help it stick better in your memories as well. So let's have a read of this. It says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. And if you weren't here last week and you're looking and going, well, where does he get that? You know, it's about living sacrificially and obeying God's word. We read the verses around this and saw the context that was in there, and we'll come back to that in a minute. But one of the things we spoke about is that this journey of a disciple is about a journey of, be, of continually moving closer to Jesus. And what struck me was we had our, our meeting on Tuesday over Zoom where we do a bit of Bible study and we reflected on the sermon and, and some of the verses. And I started to realize there was more depth to go in here, more depth, and more actually practical application of how do we go about becoming more like Christ. So I wonder if you ever think, how do you think that spiritual growth happens? We know that people do grow as Christians. We know they become more mature. You see it in others maybe. Maybe you don't see it in yourself, but it's happening in you too. But how? How do we grow? What is the mental picture that you have of how spiritual growth happens? I wonder what mental picture you conjure up of how you think you go about that. And I said it earlier, it's not about, it's not about trying to be like Jesus. It's about pouring ourselves out for Jesus. And when you see others growing, I don't know if you ever noticed that, you spot somebody and think, wow, they're really going on with the Lord. And you can see something changing within them. And I wonder whether you stop and think, how did they achieve that? How did they get that? And the Bible, particularly the New Testament, often uses two metaphors, commonly uses two metaphors because they meant a lot to the culture at the time. One of the metaphors was about farming. A lot of examples about farming because it was a it was an agrarian culture. Is that what you call it? You know, people who do agriculture. You know, so they these are people. When you talk about planting seed and watering seed and seed growing, they're like, I get that. That's one of my things that I do. That's a part of our culture. So the the farming analogy was used a lot, and the other analogy that was used a lot, especially in the New Testament, because of the Romans, was about Olympians. It was about athletes. 
Because you had the Olympic Games and you had that culture of athletes being strong and competing and striving to win a prize and win a wreath. And so you often see these two examples playing out in the Bible. I want us to pick on the healthy one, not the farming one. I think we've got less understanding of farming, a bit more understanding of, you know, I don't think we've got any Olympians out here, right? But I think we have that understanding of when people get healthier and fitter and stronger and, you know, maybe they can run faster or whatever. And I want a bit of interaction with you. So I just want you to think, what are the, I'm not talking spiritually, I'm very practical now. If you were thinking about someone getting healthier, what are some of the marks what are some of the measures? How would you measure that someone is healthier? I don't mean they go for a run every morning. I mean, what would you measure in their body? Anyone got any guesses? Blood pressure? Yeah, blood pressure is an indication of how someone's health is. Sorry. Heart rate? Yeah, how your heart rate goes up and comes back and your resting heart rate and how that. Any others? Weight? Yeah, your weight, not only the physical weight, but the actual measurement of the waist. You can measure that and see that changing. Anything else? Muscle tone, yeah, strength that they can actually, you know, the, how strong the muscle is to do things. Stamina, yeah, yeah. Oh, white cell blood count, yeah, you're getting technical now. If you say so, I know there's something about it, but. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry? Glucose, yep, yeah. yep. Yeah. Cholesterol, cholesterol. There's all these measurements. So if you went to the doctor, and they wanted to see how healthy you were, or if they said you need to get fitter, there are ways of measuring how that person gets fitter. But like I said earlier, do you remember, let's pick on cholesterol. If you went to the doctor and they said your cholesterol level is high, they would give you things to do that would change your cholesterol level. If your blood pressure was high, they would give you things to do. So do you get this thing that the things that you measure are indications of health, but often the things that you do to get healthier, I'm not the same. I don't inject myself with cholesterol or, or suck the cholesterol out. I take on a different diet to reduce my cholesterol levels. So there, there's this relationship. I want you to grasp this thing about spiritual maturity as well. That there are things that are actually tangible and even somewhat measurable that you can go, this is what healthy Christianity looks like. This is what it looks like when I get healthier in Christ. But often the things that we do to get there just like in our own physical health, are things that lead to that. But they're not the same thing. I'll keep going. You'll get it, right? So I want you to think about these three aspects of someone getting physically healthier. We'll come on to it spiritually. There are outer signs. Now, I suppose outer signs isn't very helpful because I'm going to talk about like maybe taking your, your blood pressure as an outer sign, but taking the blood out of you and measuring your blood counts, it sounds like an inner thing. But, you know, there's things that you can measure that say this is what it looks like for someone to be healthy. There are also what I would call outer practices, the things that someone does to get healthier. So you might look and go, they run regularly, or they eat a healthy diet, or they get a good regular level of sleep, or they watch the level of fat, that their, their intake is, or you know, things like this. There, there are things that they do that help get healthier. And then there's a third aspect, which is what we call our mindset. You spot this mindset when you offer someone cakes. And they go, no, it's fine, thank you. And you look and go, you don't even look sad about it. 
you don't even look like you've given up something because you've already decided. I'm, I'm, no, I'm, I'm not doing that for the moment. I've got, I've got a day, I have a cake, or whatever you know, it's like, but not today. And there's a different mindset that goes, I'm prioritizing my health. So just think about these three things. And it happens in the spiritual sense as well. There are outer signs of the fact that we are getting more mature. We're getting more like Christ. They're called, generally, they're called the fruits of the Spirit. The Bible describes these things that say, when you are growing in Christ, these fruits start to appear. But just to mix my metaphors from healthy now back to farming, you know, if there's a tree that's healthy and it's producing good fruit on that tree, that's an outer sign of a daily practice of the sun coming out each day and maybe you have to water it in the early stages and you have to tend to you know, get rid of the weeds and things like that. So there's this outer sign of, of we're growing in Christ, fruits of the Spirit. There's the daily disciplines that we do, things like reading our word, going to church, praying, things like this, the things that we do that lead to it. And then there's a mindset that we have. And I want to just take a little bit of time to talk about all three of these. So I want to just think firstly about the outer signs of growing closer to the cross. We just said earlier, if you wanted to say how healthy is someone and, and, and how might you measure them getting healthier, or what are the warning signs? I might look perfectly fine. That's up to your opinion, but you know, I think I look perfectly fine. It could be my cholesterol level is high. It's not to I measure it, do I know that I've got a problem with my cholesterol or my blood pressure or my heart rate? And so there are things that we want to measure our health. And I want to say to you, there are outer signs, there are things that are somewhat measurable about growing closer to Christ. But they aren't how you get healthy, they're just how you measure it. You get what I'm saying? There are things that we look and go, this is what it looks like when we're maturing. If we are on this journey, and I've said this week, last week, and some of you got it straight away, and some of you, I'm shifting your mindset from, I'm not just in the Christian camp wearing the Christian badge, and I have everything in Christ, and it's all now received, but I'm on a journey. What does it look like to carry on with that journey? What does it look like to get closer to Jesus? What, and I mean it tangibly, what does it look like? And we kind of instinctively know it. I just want a brief interlude for a moment. I'm loving preaching live. Because online, I can never see your confused faces. But in the room, I can see it. And so I know when I need to go over something a bit more. Because you're, you're looking a bit like, oh, where's he going with this one? Which is helpful. Thank you. If you're not confused, look happy. If you are confused, stay with the face you've got. I know I need to go a bit further. It's fine, right? So just understand this. That, that we, you know, you meet someone... And you're like, wow, they're just so close to Jesus. You kind of spot it. But, but if we put it in this mysterious bucket, that like we mysteriously just grow closer to Jesus, we miss out on the fact that there are things, actual things written in the Word of God that say, this is what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. Not just wear the Christian badge, but following. And then as we look at those and we look at ourselves, we're able to look and go, I have a cholesterol problem. Or, wow, it's great, my blood pressure's doing great. We have things that we can look and go, how am I growing? Because we're not just passive in this. We've learned this in this passage. It's not just, hey, God's going to have his work in me. He wants me to work out my salvation. There's stuff for me to do. And, and I recognize that, depends how you're wired, some will love this. Some will love the idea that you can measure spiritual growth. And others will be like, you're taking away this kind of, relationship that I feel with Jesus and I don't want to take away the fact that you have a relationship with Jesus so clearly you do but I know that I have a relationship with my wife 
But in the early days, we didn't think always the same. And the more we've lived life together, the more, I mean, we always agree, but we've grown close to each other. You watch that. You spot someone. They start dating someone. You, stop, you spot them start changing. Their habits change, or their preferences change, or their dress change, you know, what they wear changes. You spot this, the relationship has started to change them. And, and in the Christian walk, there are things that start to say, how are we changing? And so, for those who love the idea of measuring this, I want to let you know, the Bible gives us loads of verses, loads of stuff that says, here's ways of growing. And people far brighter than you and I, with a lot more time on their hands, have put a lot more effort into going, and what does that lot add up to? And a particular organization, quite reputable, called the Lifeway Research, they, they do a lot of Christian research and, and Christian publications and things like this. They spoke to and interviewed, um, when we get it right, 28 global experts. People you go, oh, that's a great book, or they really know about this stuff, about what does spiritual growth look like. They spoke to 28 of them. And then they spoke to 1,000 pastors and said, what does it look like when people in your church grow? What does it look like when you grow? And then they spoke to 4,000 people who weren't in leadership in churches or called themselves a Christian and said, what does, church, what, does, what does Christian growth look like? What does it look like to grow closer to Christ? And they came up with some measures, some ways to go, this is what it looks like to grow closer to Christ. You know, funny enough, not one of them was they preach. Often people talk about spiritual growth like one day becoming the pastor or one day preaching or leading something. They're not the measures of spiritual growth. Do you want to see them? So this is what this research and this study of the word and talking to people said, these are the nine things, the nine marks, the nine measures of, of spiritual maturity. Um, and those of you, by the way, who really like this stuff, I've got a handout I can email to you as well. So, right, if you like that sort of stuff. They spoke about engaging with the Bible, not just reading the Bible, engaging with the word of God. They spoke about obeying God and denying self is a mark, a measure of seeing how people are maturing when they obey God and they deny themselves. Another mark is about serving God and others, sharing Christ, being open with our faith, and exercising faith, taking steps of faith where we rely upon God to be the answer, seeking God, seeking his face, seeking his will, finding out, God, what are you saying in my life? Building relationships with others, not living as an island, siloed, living unashamed, not just because they've got it all together, but I've got some sin and I've got things wrong and I'm not ashamed about that because I'm covered in God's grace. And doctrinal beliefs are actually true, not believing stuff that isn't in the Bible. Now again, for those of you who really like this sort of stuff, there's an online assessment you can do. And I did it. So if you like that sort of stuff, I'm not saying everyone does, and some of you are like, this is weird, where's he going with this? I just want you to know something, right? So I did this. Well, it, it, it cost me four quid, right? Must be four quid or five dollars, depends on the exchange rate. It took me 15 minutes and I answered 70 questions. And because I want to live unashamed, I'll talk to you about what I found. Because when I went through this, because I'm like, I want to grow. And I want to know, I want to go, you know, every year, <laughs> I've stopped doing it now. Every year, my company offers me a health assessment. I'll stop doing it because they told me the same things and I never did anything they said. <laughs> I'm like, well, I don't need to go somewhere to tell me I need to lose weight. I know I need to lose weight, right? You know, and I don't exercise enough, right? So if you're not going to put it into practice, why would you learn? But I want to become more spiritually closer to Christ. So I'm like, I want to know. 
And what I found was this, that there were three areas where I really needed to put more focus on. One was about serving God and others. One was about sharing Christ more. And one was about living a life of faith more. And that helped me. So I'm like, wow, that's really helpful. That's really insightful. That, that's like, okay, I've got somewhere to go. Where do I need to continue working on my faith with Jesus? Where do I need to continue growing? What is God doing in my life? I had some things I felt really pleased about. I was like, oh, I'm really pleased. I, I got the top score on doctrine. So I was like, phew, I actually believe what's in the Bible. That's a good thing, right? You know, you know but you know, there's, like, there's places for me to work on. I'm not saying everyone wants to go and do this online assessment. I get that. But I'm just trying to give you a flavor. I know you would, Roz. I can see you nodding there. I'll send you the link later, right? You know, right? You know, because some people, it's right up their street. Often when me and Roz talk about this, we realize we're both so the same about this sort of stuff, right? But this bit is about what are the outer signs. And the main thing I want to get across to you is it's not mysterious that we are growing closer to Christ. There are things that start to show in our lives. And you might intuitively pick it up and think, wow, they're such a, they're such a holy person. Or, wow, they share their faith so much. Or, wow, they're, they're living on the edge in faith. But when you boil it down, you go, okay, so there, there are some things I can look and go, am I doing this in my life? How, how am I growing? And, um, you know, sorry to pick on him, but I know... David Tate wanted to go on a particular routine to reduce his uh, glucose levels. And it's like, it was able to measure that. It was like, there's this measurement in my health. I'm going to go on this health routine. I'm going to shift that and be able to see the shift because it's like, here's a measurement. Something needs to be done about it. I'm going to do some stuff. Hey, praise God, there's progress. And it's so funny because in our physical life, we know this. We know there are signs of being healthy and unhealthy. We know there are things, the habits we can do that make us less healthy or more healthy. And we know we really, if we want to live a long life, right? We don't want to have an early grave. We want to live with great health. Then we've got to do stuff. It doesn't just happen magically. But we can forget it in the spiritual realm. And all I want to do this morning is ignite your awareness to that of going, there are ways of seeing how am I growing. But we have to remember, all this lot here are just like the blood pressure measurement. They just tell me. They're not, what do I need to do? And so I want to talk about the outer practices, the things that we do to grow closer to Christ. I want to tell you about my knee. So my knee, Friday before last, so about nine days ago, I was brushing the dogs, and I sit on the floor cross-legged, and I brush the dogs before I go to walk. And then when I went to get up, the pain I felt to stretch my leg back out was immense. And then once I got it straight, it was fine. So that's weird. So I walk the dogs. Seems to be all right when I'm walking. But then when I go to put some shoes on, I've got to lift this up here, I realize past there, it really starts to hurt me. And every time I bend this knee, it's really hurting me. And I'm like, I've probably pulled something. So that was Friday. Come to church on Sunday. It was still kind of bothering me. Get to about Tuesday, Wednesday. I'm like, it's still not getting any better. Actually, I think it might be getting a bit worse. So I phone up for a physio appointment. I get a video call physio appointment, speak to a physio, because as we all know, seeing someone physically is almost impossible these days. But nonetheless, right? And so we talk through this, and they're like, when you do this, what does it do? When you do that, what does it do? Well, you know, and, and in the end, she diagnosed, let me read this out, that I have patella tendonitis. I don't know anyone who's... Uh, some nods, right? That's what I have, patella tendonitis. And so I'm like, okay, what do I do about that? And so she sends me an email with, you want to avoid doing this sort of thing? 
So avoid actually really squashing it. Don't squat and things like that, right? Avoid doing that. Do these things like put, you know, um, ice on it and, you know, put your leg up when you can. And then eight weeks of exercise I'm supposed to do. Eight weeks of exercise. I'm like, what? Well, funny you should say that, Dave. So I do avoid bending my leg unnecessarily. <laughs> and I do put some cold compress on it when I'm sitting there still. I haven't started the exercises yet. It's not getting any better. In actual fact, it's slightly worse. I was reminded, there's a, there's a story in 1 Kings. There's a story in 1 Kings when uh, a king called Naaman has leprosy and he asked for Elijah to come and see him. And... Um, uh, sorry, Elisha, he asked Elisha to come and see him. And Elisha comes and says, go and wash seven times in the Jordan. And Naaman's like, what? I thought he was to come in and wave his hands and say some words, and then the leprosy would disappear. What he does, he tells me to go and wash seven times in the water. I feel like Naaman. I'm like, I thought they'd just like, I don't know, prescribe something or, you know, tell me, you know, sit on the sofa for a day and you'll be fine. But eight weeks of exercise? My goodness me. Sorry? Yes, yes, yeah, the clue's there. Have you, any of you heard of the 70-20-10 rule? It rings a bell. Those in education will have some sort of, some sort of kind of thought about this, right? So here's this idea of this 70-20-10 rule. And it comes out of education. Now, I need to get, my, need to get myself right on the screen, all right? There is the 10%, how we grow, how we learn, how we develop ourselves. There's this 10%, which is what we learn through teaching. Classes, watch a video, listen to someone talking, read a book. 10% of how we grow is down to that. There's this 20%, get himself in the right place, which is down to coaching, support, personal one-to-ones, helping you work through the understanding and, you know, how you apply it. And then there's this big 70% zone of putting it into practice. That's where we grow. The biggest growth comes when we put stuff into practice. I had a nice little 10% saying, here's the exercise routine you need to do. It hasn't done me a lot of good yet, right? I have my wife saying to me, have you done it yet? Have you opened the email more than once? Where's the growth going to come? It's going to come in putting it into practice. Exactly. Exactly. And, and in actual fact, so let me put it this way. Let me put it this way, right? I would love your prayers for my knee, but I have a very sneaky suspicion that God will not answer them. I really do. Because the miraculous healing for me in this situation increases my laziness and increases an attitude within me, which is I just need to receive it. I just need a heavenly download, and then it's all done. And we can, you know, regrettably, we can reinforce that in church. Come to church, get a good sermon, build you up, off you go. It's 10% of the journey. 70% is actually like putting it into practice. I mean, I've got to say, it took an awful lot of pressure off me when I thought about this about preaching. Because sometimes, you know, you preach and you're like, 
oh, I don't know if that went anywhere. Did it really change anything? But I realized, I'm only, I've only got 10% of the responsibility. <laughs> My job is just to tell you. That's why as a church, the 20% is the church bit. It's like others around you encouraging you and going, what did you think of that? And man, I find it difficult living sacrificially. What are you? And that's some of the discussion we were having on Tuesday was kind of working through it. But there's still this massive chunk of 70%, which is on my shoulders of me putting it into practice. And, you know, as you can tell from, I mean, this knee is bothering me. I wish it didn't. And, and, And the motivation to do what I just need to do you know, that's part of the, the... You wouldn't be surprised, would you, that just because I am wired that way about my knee, how do you think I might approach my spiritual growth? It's the same me. It's the same me who wants a spiritual download, who wants a, can God just zap me with it? And that's why I don't believe God's going to heal this knee. He's going to make me do these eight weeks of exercise because he wants to build a character in me that says, son, you've got to put into practice the things that have been told to you. And so there is this outer things we do. You, that that, that um, assessment thing that I did, which I really loved, what was interesting is for each of those three, well, actually, it's true for all of the nine, but particularly for those three where I'm going, okay, I need to work on that, they give you a little kind of, have you thought about trying this? You know, so for sharing Christ, that was the one I scored the lowest on. And I think, man, I, I'm quite happy to share my, my, my faith. I really am happy. But how much do I? <laughs> I'm quite comfortable. So I think, oh, I'm growing in that area. But... Do I proactively think about the people I know in my life who aren't saved and pray for them and bring them before God? Do I actively foster relationships with them because I want to get closer to them, spend time with them so we can have a relationship? Do I listen to them and hear their story and hear where they're coming from? Do I take the plunge and invite them to church? All these things are the outer things that I need to do in order to grow in that area. And like the physiotherapy, I can listen to that and go, yeah, I should do more of that. I should really pray for the lost more. Yeah, I should. Right, what's, the, what's going on next? Or do I put it into practice? And so what we found last week was this particular passage focused on three disciplines. Loving each other, obeying God's word, and living sacrificially. I'm not going to spend great time going over them again. Because quite frankly, that's the 10%. You can go read them. Go read Philippians chapter 2. You'll read this stuff about loving one another. You'll read stuff about not being selfish and thinking of others better than yourself. You'll read things about doing everything without complaining and grumbling. You can take the 10%. But the challenge on us is how am I going to put into practice? How am I going to put into practice? How can I take an interest in someone above myself? How can I take that moment that I want to grumble and moan about it and not? And go, this is a discipline that I'm going to do because I want to become more Christ-like. And equally obeying God's word. You can read it in that passage if you want. You can go read it. But it says obeying God with deep reverence and fear. He talks about holding firmly to the word of life. And you can still leave your Bible or your Bible app shut all week. Or you can read it. And then just let it drift out the back of your brain rather than going, and what do you want me to do with this today, God? Because the 70% is, is yours, not mine. And equally, they're living sacrificially. It speaks about Jesus. We're going to come on to that in a moment, about how Jesus laid his life down. And Paul talks about it after these verses. He comes on to say, I'm poor, even if I'm poured out like a drink offering, and I, even if I die, I've given myself for God. And I can read and go, wow, Paul, that's amazing. And then 
choose the selfish path rather than the sacrificial path. It's, it, you know, believe me, I know people say this, when one finger's pointing forward, three are pointing back, and, you know, with a preacher speaking to themselves. It is true. I, I read this stuff, and I'm like, am I doing it? Am I putting it into practice? You know, you can't make yourself fruitful. You can't make yourself fruitful. The fruits of the Spirit are some of the outer signs that growth is occurring in you. But you can't make yourself fruitful. But you can make yourself faithful. And faithfulness produces fruit. And so you can make yourself be faithful, just like I am certain anybody you see after lockdown, you go, wow, you look so much healthier. You ask them. It didn't happen by accident. There was some daily discipline, some change of lifestyle, some habit that shifted, and they were faithful in doing that, and then the fruit appeared. And so what we focus on is being faithful to God's Word, to these things, to other things. When you read the Word of God and it challenges you, be faithful in fulfilling it, in in living that way, and fruit occurs. So there's these outer signs of growth, there's outer practices, and lastly I just want to talk about this inner practices for growing closer to Christ. Because you remember what I said earlier? Even people that are healthy, they kind of shift their mindset. They're not bemoaning the fact they've got to go out for a run three times a week, or they're not bemoaning that they must watch out on the, the sugar intake or whatever, because they realize they value their health more than that thing or whatever. There's been a shift in the mind. And there is a shift that occurs. You know, without a mindset that Christ has, you and I can take the first two points of this and we'll just become Pharisees. We'll become legalistic in doing these disciplines that I need to do so that I can get some outer sign that shows that I'm puffed up and aren't I great. Without an inner shift, we just become Pharisees. The Pharisees had immensely strong faithfulness. They had daily disciplines. And they had outer signs of their holiness. And the mindset was wrong. And Jesus criticized them. It's like you've got it all wrong because when we have the practices and when we have the outer signs and we don't have the mindset shift, we're not nice to be around. We're not nice to other people. We put on them some guilt. Rather than being an encourager, we put on them shame. We get all puffed up and, well, you should be more like me. And and so there's got to be a mindset shift. Without the mindset shift, this sermon is, is pointless. In actual fact, it's dangerous to listen to the first two points and not get the third you'll just get legal and puffed up. Philippians 2 that we're reading from has some really challenging words that should shift our thinking. Particularly in the passage we read, and we were talking about this on Tuesday when we were studying together, where he said, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And we spent quite a bit of time, and we haven't got time now. You should have been there, right? (laughs) We might talk about it again on Tuesday if you want to come and dig into that. But we spent a bit of time going, they're weird words, fear and trembling. And we spoke about how the Bible uses the word fear in two different contexts. We can stand here and sing, I'm no longer a slave to fear. But it still says, work it out with fear. And so we discover that the Word of God has the fear where we're afraid and the fear of a reverent awe. That's used in that context sometimes. And so it's like this having this reverent awe, this amazement. This fear word is often used about being amazed or astonished, and also as the trembling word is in that context as well. 
You and I should be amazed and astonished that we're saved. <laughs> we should. That's a mindset shift, which is like, not that, oh, of course Jesus got me on his side, isn't he, isn't he fortunate to have it? Or I've worked hard for it. But an amazement that God's grace is so overwhelming that he would save one like me. That mindset shift will help us from being puffed up. Will help us not looking and going, well, I've got nine signs of spiritual maturity. Because I've got this reverent awe and amazement that I don't, I don't even understand why God would work in my life. I, don't even, I can't even believe that he would, he would treasure me and change me and, and, and put up with my mistakes. That mindset shift... I think sometimes we are in danger of gambling with our salvation. We play it fast and loose. It's like, and it's this bit about directional destination. It's like, I'm in the camp. I've got my badge. I've said the prayer. So it doesn't really matter. And when we say, no, I'm, that's amazing that Jesus even calls me his own and he accepts me into his family and I want to be more like him. It changes the way we think. This... Philippians passage really gives it explicitly for us because it says the mindset we should have. This is what it says a few verses before the one we read. So just verses 5 to 8, we were in 12 to 13. In verses 5 to 8, we read this last week as well. You must have the same attitude. This is a mindset. You must have the same mindset that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God. Thinking, it's a mindset. He did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. This is this mindset. And we were talking about this on Tuesday and we're going, Jesus didn't cling to equality with God. And I'm meant to have that same mindset. What am I clinging to that I hold so dearly? I don't want to give up. And it says, you know, Jesus gave up that in order to pour himself out. Again, moment of vulnerability. I spoke about it on Tuesday. Everyone, you've got your own things. You know, I spoke about how it's easy as a church leader, in the same way as God, or Jesus, you know, had equality with God, and so his reputation, his standing in the Godhead, I'm one, I'm one of the Trinity. And he's like, I'm not going to cling on to that. I'm just going to pour myself out. As a church leader, you can have... Well, what do people think about our church? What's the reputation of the oak? How big are we? What do people think of us? What are we doing? And it's like, no, 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 no. I'm going to let go of that. I'm not going to cling tightly to that. I'm just going to pour myself out and let Jesus worry about that stuff. I'm going to pour myself out. And you will have things that you're clinging on to in your life, things you hold so dearly, that are so important to you, and so many times in my life, and I believe it happens in your life as well, God comes along and says, will you let it go? Will you let go of it? <laughs> let it go, yeah, I know. <laughs> Thank you, End. <laughs> for those of you who know I'm going to see Frozen the Musical this afternoon, I'm not going to break it in the song of Let It Go. Thank you for ruining a wonderful moment, Wendy. No, 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 no. <laughs> but there are things that God wants you to let go. And like we cling so tightly to it. You know, Paul, who wrote Philippians, who wrote this thing about Jesus had this attitude, this mindset, and then wrote, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it's God at work within you, goes on in the next chapter of the same book to say this. 
I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless. He had the attitude, that mindset. It was like, I'm not going to cling on to these things of this world that the world values and says are important. And you know what? Here's a weird one, right? So just think about something like family. And you look and go, well, I mustn't let go of my family. God's given my family, and he has. He's, you know, if you're a parent, he's given you responsibility to your family. If you're married, he's given you responsibility to your spouse. And so I don't need to misunderstand this, but when we let go of the things we cling to and pour ourselves out for Christ, in the Christ-like way, your family grows stronger. Your marriage grows healthier. So it's not that sometimes what we're letting go of, God wants to remove from us. Jesus did not cling to equality with God as something to be grasped. He was still equal with God. He didn't lose it. He just didn't make it the focus. He's like, I'm going to make the focus pouring myself out for Jesus to be more, well, he needs to pour himself out for God. And we pour ourselves out for Jesus. And we don't cling on to these things because God says, you seek first the kingdom of God, all these things will be added unto you. You do that first, I'll take care of the rest. And he has this wonderful way of shifting our priorities. So if we're clinging on to our possessions and God wants us to have them, we'll have them. And if he doesn't, you'll lose them. If you're clinging on to your marriage, God wants you to have that. He'll keep it strong. If you're clinging on to your job and God's placed you in the right place, you'll still be there. But if you're not meant to be there, he'll move you. If you stop clinging on to things that you hold dear and pour yourself out, God says, I'll take care of the rest. So I'm going to end. But I want to reflect that we are important to each other. (laughs) That in actual fact, we're vitally important to each other in this journey. And so unlike last week where I took you through uh, the sinner's prayer, which I I would encourage you to say regularly, it's it's true. I said last week, you don't get saved daily. But that daily confession of Jesus being the Lord of my life, Lord, I've sinned, would you forgive me? Lord, would you take my life? You know, they're great confessions. But in a world where salvation is worked in by God and salvation is worked out by you, but it's worked with others, what I want to encourage is this. None of you have to do this, but I encourage all of you to do it. If you really want to go, I want to just keep journeying with Jesus, but I don't want to do it alone, then what I want to encourage you is to, don't do it just yet, but what I want to encourage you is to stand. That's a mark of response for you, which is, and that's not like you've not just recommitted your life to Jesus. That's just you confessing today. I'm on a journey with Jesus. I want to keep going on with Jesus. And then what I want us to do, just to warn you, is I want us to pray for each other. Because we're all on that journey together. And so I'm not going to have a big lineup where I come and pray over you. When you're standing, after I've finished praying, you're going to look and go, who else is standing? And you're going to wander over to them and, and, and pray with them. Do it in twos or threes. And I appreciate, and don't get me wrong, I do appreciate that some people find this immensely awkward and you're like, I hate praying out loud. So I'm going to give you a, an opportunity. What you, all you need to do is say to the person, I'd like to pray for you, but I'm going to do it in my head. And that's fine. That's fine. If you don't want to pray out loud, it's okay. You don't have to. But I want you to pray for them. You can do it all in your head. It's fine. If you want to pray out loud, please do. Please, and that's, COVID makes it slightly awkward because some people have got uh, amber lanyards on which says, don't hug me. So you're not going to come along and Put your arm around them. You're just going to stand safely apart from going, I'm going to pray for you. Is that all right? Okay, we've got enough room. And so I want to encourage you that um, if you want to do something tangible as a step forward of going, I want to continue walking with Jesus, then I want to ask you to stand, and I'm going to pray for you.
And I want you guys to know I'm standing, not because I'm preaching. But because like you, I want to go on with Jesus. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that it teaches us. And it's powerful. Uh, But Lord, we've come to realize that it's 10%. Lord, you want your word to be living in our lives And so, Lord, we acknowledge that it's a challenge for us to put this stuff into practice. But we want to. Lord, we want to. And so we ask for your help. And also, Lord, we thank you, Lord, that we're not alone, but you've placed us in a body. And so there's that 20% where others can stand with us. And so we thank you, Lord, that we don't stand alone, but we have the support and the encouragement of others around us, loving us as we are with all our faults and our failures and cheering us on on our journey with you, Jesus. And so, Lord, as we have this moment of prayer, I pray, Lord, would you just inhabit the prayers of your people? Uh, Lord, I pray for those who are online right now who aren't able to participate in this way, Lord, that whatever step they make in their heart, Lord, they would know, Lord, they have made a commitment to continue journeying with you. And, Lord, I pray that they would have a time when they can be with others, where others can pray for them also, Lord. We are one body. At home or in the building, Lord, we're one body. So have your way amongst us now. I just ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So what I encourage is just, just, just find someone you're happy to pray with. Don't let anyone be left alone. If you are standing by yourself, find a two and go gate crash it. Um, and then in about five minutes' time, the worship band, I'm going to call them back and we're going to sing a final song. But let's just encourage one another in, in prayer, okay?